0: Hey, good morning. Uh, My name's Jake. I'm the the creative director here at Alpine Church. And uh, I've been here a couple times before, I think. I'm happy to be here again. Um, This is my favorite campus. I I promise I don't tell everybody that. I just have another word that's kind of like favorite for all of them. Um, But uh, we're we're continuing our series uh, in the Ten Commandments. And today we're looking at number four. We are keeping the Sabbath. And I'm not prepared with my clicker here, but I'm going to get us there in a second. Um, But we are looking at keeping the Sabbath. This is the fourth commandment, fourth week, fourth commandment. We're trying to keep it real simple for everybody to follow along. Um, And this is a good sermon for us to, to talk about. This is a good message, a good commandment for us to talk about because in America we have a problem with work. Uh, We work on average, us Americans, I'm assuming most of us in here are Americans, uh, we work on average uh, more than most developed uh, countries, just about more than any other developed country. Uh, For people in the UK, for workers there, we work about 100 hours more a year than people in the UK. We work uh, on average 400 hours a year more than Germans. I don't know how you are about like German or I mean like English or uh, European culture and stuff, but like Germans are kind of like known for their work ethic. They're known to be an industrious people, and we work on average 10 work weeks more than they do a year. Americans don't take vacation like we ought to. For paid time off, most Americans don't take all of their paid time off every year. In fact, 768 million days were left on the table last year. That is a lot of vacation not utilized. Uh, When Americans do go on vacation, 70% of them take work with them. 70% of people that go on vacation, they take work with them. 30% of people that go on vacation take work with them for every single day they're on vacation. They work every single day while on vacation. And so, maybe some of you are like, oh, well, we're just hard workers. Maybe that's a point of pride. Well, here's the bummer. It doesn't actually make us any more productive than other countries. That's the crazy thing. So, despite working longer hours, sometimes significantly longer hours than other countries, we don't don't get uh, uh, the benefit of increased productivity. And, in fact, there's a lot of research that would tell us that we experience a lot of negative effects in our work life and personal life because of those longer work hours, because we don't vacation as much. And so this is an important message for us, to keep the Sabbath. This is a commandment we need to hear. It's so important that when God put together 10 commandments, he made this one of them. In the last three weeks, we've looked at the first three, uh, one that we have no other gods before God, that he's the only one. There's only one God. He should be the only God in our lives. The second one, that we shouldn't have any idols. That nothing should get in between our relationship with God. That we shouldn't put anything above Him. That He should be first in our life. And then, that we shouldn't take God's name in vain. God's name is important. It's important to Him. It has a lot of meaning to Him. And so it should have a lot of meaning to us. So we should. Uh, respect it. We should have a reverence towards it, and, and how we use his name and how we speak in general should reflect that. These are really important foundational things in understanding the character of God and understanding how he expects us as his people to live. And so when he makes the next commandment about keeping the Sabbath, you know it's important. So we should keep the Sabbath that is foundational that we understand how to keep the Sabbath. So let's jump in. Let's, let's look at Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It says this. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons, and daughters your male and female servants your livestock and any foreigners living among you for in 6 days the lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and everything in them but on the 7th day he rested that is why the lord blessed the sabbath day and set it apart as holy so let's talk about the sabbath first the sabbath or god set up the sabbath for our benefit This is the first thing we have to understand. In this verse, we can see that uh, the Sabbath serves two purposes, to to benefit us. But before we get into that, we have to understand something. Because this is what the the ancient Israelites that this commandment was given to, this is something that they understood, and we need to understand it as well, that work is a good thing. Work is, is created by God. It existed in the beginning in the Garden of Eden it is going to exist in heaven. It is created by God. We were made to work. It is a good thing. If you're part of my generation and younger, you probably don't believe that yet. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people nodding their heads there. A lot of people have teenagers. <laughs> work is a good thing. It is a good thing. God made it. God made the, the earth, even in, it, in its perfect created form, God created the earth to be worked and us to be the ones that work it. And so we have to understand, as it was understood back then, that we should work. And just that verse back then, it says, there are six days for your ordinary work. The vast majority of the days were set aside for work, and it was understood that you worked. But God does give them this gift of a day off. And so that is the first purpose. The first purpose is, that the Sabbath benefits us, that the Sabbath exists, is to give us rest from work. So the ancient Israelites were an agrarian society. This is a word I learned this week. It means, it's, it's, we get it from agriculture. This is a word that, that um, it just means that like the, the land that you lived on, or, or perhaps the land of your master, you lived there, like everything that you grew, everything that you could produce from that land, that was your livelihood. That was your wealth. So it's, it's a very different society from us. It's a very hardworking society. It was, an enti- it was a family business. Everyone in the family had to work. Everyone that, that lived on the property had to work. Even t- children from young ages had jobs to do. They had to work. And it was, and it was tough because if you didn't work, you didn't eat. If you, didn't, if you didn't provide enough for yourself in, in the growing seasons, then you didn't eat in the non-growing seasons. And so to introduce this idea of a day off was pretty radical at the time. This, there was no other culture at the time that had this kind of day off. This, they were the only people that had that because you, you had to work. It was crazy to suggest that one day a week you don't work. But that is what what God is is communicating to his people and this is what he's communicating that everyone needs a day off. If you look back, it lists everybody, There there was no getting around it. Your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your foreigners, if you have guests staying with you, the animals even got a Sabbath day. They even had Sabbath years for their land where they would just do nothing with it. Everything got a Sabbath because everyone needs rest. If we don't get enough rest, the research tells us we are welcoming in a wealth of issues into our lives, uh, particularly mental and physical health problems. One study said that men who take vacations, who don't take vacations, are 30% more likely to have a heart attack. Women are 50% more likely to have a heart attack, when they don't vacation. Other studies conclude that too much work leads to more health issues, weaker immune system, uh, a lack of energy, focus, creativity, memory, concentration. It leads to poor decision-making, irritability, and it puts a strain on your relationships. And I think we all know that stuff doesn't just stay at work, but it follows us, and it, and it pours into other areas of our lives. And it can throw off our entire, the entire balance of our life. My, my wife is a, has worked as a teacher for the last four years. Let me just tell you, if you got any teachers in here, God bless you. And I was here last week, I mean that. That's not, that's not a flippant use of God bless you, I really mean it. God bless you. Because that is a hard job. It is demanding, you don't get compensated a lot, and... Uh, for my wife, it was, she had work just about every day to take home. It, it's, it's a demanding job, and her personality is to just pour herself into her work. She wants to do a good job. She loves to work. She loves to be productive. Um, and I love that about her. Um, but she, she loves work. And, and so those two mixed together, she was bringing home work every day. And it was stressful. Stressful. And it would pour into other areas of, of, our, of her life, of our relationship. And uh, now she has a, a new job this, this last fall. It has a much healthier work-life balance. And let me tell you, we did not realize how bad it was. We didn't realize how bad, things, how, how bad things got, how stressed she was, how much of a toll it was having on other things. And so you, right now, might be overworking. You might not be keeping the Sabbath well enough. You might not be getting enough rest for yourself. You might not be getting enough time to, to, to have some leisure, to pick up a hobby, to go on vacation, to spend time with your spouse, with your kids. And, and, and you might not even see the, the price that you're paying for it. That is what can happen when our balance gets out of whack, when we're not resting enough. And that's the first purpose of the Sabbath, to give us rest. The second way that the Sabbath benefits us is it gives us time to spend with God. The verse declares that, that the Sabbath is dedicated to the Lord your God. You know, so, so enjoying a hobby, vacationing, just relaxing, doing nothing, that's all good. That's all good things. You should do those things. But in order to really, truly rest, it's not enough. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus sustains all things. So after your work week, five or six days, you need to be sustained. And if Jesus is the one doing the sustaining, we need to spend time with Jesus. In order to really, truly rest properly, we need regular time spent with God. Time spent getting to know him through his word, to be encouraged by it, Time spent praying, expressing to him your your thoughts, your needs. Time spent in worship like we did today. You should be doing that regularly throughout the week, but you should be setting specific time aside to worship God, to spend time with it. Isaiah 58, 13 says, Enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's day. The Sabbath gives us an opportunity to, to create a window of time to look forward to. For rest, doing what we want to do, and rest in time with God. Now with uh, the busyness of life, of all the stuff that we have to do, that can be tough. This is where you might actually have to work a little bit for your rest. might require a little bit of discipline in order to carve out time. But it is important, and it is for our benefit. But we don't want to get the wrong idea. Because Jesus clarified that the Sabbath is a blessing and not a burden. See, uh, in the time of Jesus, there were religious leaders that had, had taken the law of the Sabbath, they'd taken the commandment of the Sabbath, and they changed it into something else. They changed it uh, from a blessing... And into a burden. The original law was pretty simple. Nobody works on this day. It's pretty black and white. But over time, and, and by the time we get to Jesus, we see that they had turned it from that simple rule into just this big, long, extensive rule book of things that you had to do, of things that you, you had to follow. They debated what work meant whether it was work to, to, to do certain trivial things. You know, you couldn't carry more food than the weight of a fig. That was one of their rules. Do you know how big a fig is? It's like that big. It's like nothing. You can't have dinner with your friends because you can't, can't bring over a side dish unless it's a fig. You can't do that. You couldn't carry more ink than enough to write two letters. This one really gets to me, because what are you going to do with enough ink to write two letters? You might as well just say, don't carry ink. But they made it weird, and they made it specific. They argued whether or not it was, it was work to move a lamp on the Sabbath, or to pick up your own child. And they did this, and, and then they, they elevated their rules with God's law. They put it on the same level so that they could shame other people and so that they could even, could punish people that didn't follow it. And they, they, they did it so that it was specific, so that it was hard to follow. And that what, what they were doing here, what we would call it today, it's called legalism. Legalism simply defined is, is measuring your relationship with God. It's it's changing what your relationship with God should be. From like rather than being concerned with what's going on in your heart, which is what God cares about, and being concerned with your every little outside action. And using that as your only measure of whether or not you're you're right with God or you're you're good with God. And by making all their rules complicated, it it made it hard for other people to follow, so they could easily point the finger. And so that they could look at themselves and be like, look how good I am at following these rules. That's what legalism is. Today, uh, is. And, and today, we still see it around. It's, it's definitely not gone away. I remember growing up, I had a friend. He grew up in a very religious family. Uh, and uh, he, they practiced the Sabbath in this really um, like restrictive way. They they. they kept the Sabbath in this really, I, it, like, religious way. He couldn't watch TV. Uh, he couldn't go out and hang out with his friends. He couldn't um, go shopping. He couldn't, like, go out and do any, like, fun activities. He couldn't go out to eat. Uh, some people in his family even went so far as to not use electricity on Sundays. And you know what? He hated it. He absolutely hated Sundays because he never got to do anything that he wanted to do. He was completely restricted, um, and, and it was never something that gave him any rest, and it was never something that he looked forward to. And Jesus openly challenged this type of legalism. In Matthew 12, 9 through 12, it says, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand, The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. In the very next verse Jesus heals the man. He restores his hand. And the Pharisees that agitated them so much that the very next thing they did was meet in secret and tried to plot to kill Jesus. This is how bad legal this is how much legalism gives you the wrong idea about God. They have God in flesh, Jesus the long-awaited Savior and Messiah in front of them. And he's performing a miracle and teaching them how, we should, how, how God uh, views the commandments, how we should view the commandments. And they're so blinded by their legalism that they can't see the, the miracle happening in front of them. And all they want to do is make Jesus go away. That is how... How much legalism gives you the wrong idea about God, about his law, about his commandments. In another encounter between Jesus and and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, um, about the Sabbath, Jesus says this. He says, the Sabbath was was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is saying it plain as day that the Sabbath is meant to be a blessing to us. It is not supposed to be a burden. And what Jesus is really doing here, this is is really helpful for us because Jesus is showing us how we should be looking at the commandments as a whole anyway. Jesus is showing us the commandments aren't to be understood as just these strict rules showing us how, like dictating our every action. But they're a set of laws given in love to govern our hearts, and allow us to experience God's best in our lives. The Sabbath is a blessing. And when we we understand that, there's a freedom in how we can practice keeping the Sabbath and how we can experience it. So the Sabbath is not a special day as much as it is a principle. Uh, When we keep this in mind, this helps us answer how, how do you keep the Sabbath then? The ancient Israelites, they set aside uh, the seventh day of the week to rest. Because that's, well, that's what they were commanded to do. So that is how they practiced the Sabbath. But as we see in the early church, in the New Testament, there, is, there are um, Jew and non-Jew or, or Gentile Christians who have a disagreement on how to keep the Sabbath. Some say that, yes, you should, it should be one day a week. That's how you keep the Sabbath. That's how we always did it. And that's how we should do it. But others said that that every day was sacred unto God. Every day was a holy day. Every day is the Lord's, so we should practice Sabbath every day. Uh, And this disagreement was addressed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 14. He says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So Paul says both are okay. But how did we get here? Because the commandment's very clear. The commandment is very black and white. It says take one day, but then Paul says both are okay. So what changed? Well, what changed was Jesus. See, the ancient Israelites... Um, we're in a covenant or a commitment with God through the law. If you're, if you're up to date on your doctrine, it's called the Old Covenant. And this was their promise to God. This was how they maintained their relationship with God, was through obedience. But when Jesus died and rose again, he introduced a new covenant. Uh, it, and it's a covenant of faith. And the Bible says that the, the law would then be written on the hearts of God's people. And what it means by that is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we put our faith in Jesus, it says the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. And it teaches us and it shows us and it helps us to keep the commandments. But it also convicts us in different ways. So we see that there's a freedom in how, now in how we can keep the commandments, all still under the commandments. It's not, it doesn't take anything away from the law, but what it does is it gives us a freedom, and it gives us different convictions, and it gives us a a diversity among Christians and and how we have relationships with God. So you can celebrate the Sabbath on one day, or you can celebrate the Sabbath uh, every day, Or really, you can celebrate the Sabbath in any way in between. But what's important is that whatever your conviction is, however you feel God is leading you to keep the Sabbath, stick to that. Because the principle of Sabbath has not changed. We still need rest. We still need a break from work. We still need time to be sustained by God. And so whatever your conviction is, hold to it. The Sabbath gives us time to recharge, but, but it also does one more very important thing. The Sabbath points us towards a greater kind of rest. Everything about the Sabbath points towards something bigger, something greater. It points to a rest that we can only have in Jesus. The Sabbath points us towards a greater rest that we can only have in Jesus. Colossians 2.16, it says, don't le- it says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So he says, don't let anyone condemn you for how you keep the Sabbath. More of what we heard before in, in Romans. Not because the law isn't important, but because the law is fulfilled in Jesus. See, another reason why we're in this new covenant with God is because the law has been fulfilled through the perfect life of Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. In, in the very beginning of all things, God created the heavens, the earth. We, we read it earlier. And all things in the earth all things in the heavens, and on the seventh day, it says he rested. Now, why does God need to rest? Well, he doesn't. God does not need to rest. God is all-powerful. As incredible as it is it to create all things, it didn't tire him out. God is, does, it does not need rest, but he chose to rest because the work was done. The work of creation was done, and so he rested. Now, you and I, we all have a work ahead of us. If we want to have a relationship with God, if we want to be made right with God, we have to live the law perfectly. But we can't do that. See, we all sin. We all choose to reject the law. We all choose to live selfishly. We all choose to go our own way. And because of that, we, we can't live perfectly under the law. We can't achieve every law that God has set before us. So God sends Jesus. And Jesus lived the law perfectly. Jesus never lived selfishly. He, he never sinned. He never gave in to temptation. He always chose to to live under the law, to do the God-honoring thing. And in doing that, He fulfills the law. And then He goes to the cross for our imperfections, for our sin, and He pays the the price that, that we deserve to pay with His life. He went to the cross to pay for our debt so that it could be wiped away and His fulfillment of the law could be credited to us. So because of the work of Jesus in his life and on the cross, we get to rest. Just like God did after the work of creation. But this time, Jesus has done the work for us. Yet we get to reap the benefits. The Bible says that when we, have, when we, we put our faith in Jesus, in the work of his life and his work on the cross and his resurrection three days later, says that we can be saved, that we are made right with God, that we have a relationship with Him. So when you do that, you don't have to worry about whether or not you've worked hard enough. You don't have to worry that that you've done enough to make yourself right with God. You don't have to, to try to prove yourself through your work to yourself or to anyone else Because Jesus has done it for you. He strived so that you wouldn't have to. And he proved your worth by dying on the cross for you. The work of salvation is done. So rest in Jesus. I just want to encourage you, if you haven't made that decision, today's a great day to do that. If this message is speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit right now is telling you that it's time to to hang up trying to do it yourself. To to put your your burdens, your efforts, to to leave it at the cross, to let Jesus take care of it. And to, to have a restored relationship with Him today. You can do that. We're going to have leaders up front that would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to explain a a little more what that means to to have a life that follows Jesus, to what it it means to have that assurance of salvation, to not have to work for it anymore. Please, don't leave today without doing that. Let's pray. God, I, I just thank you that you give us this the, the ability to work, that you give us the ability to, to be productive, um, but God, that you also give us this gift of rest, that you give us this gift to spend time with you, to be restored by you, and God, I, I thank you that all of this points us To the greater truth that the work of salvation is done, that we don't have to try to earn your approval, that we don't have to try to work for it, that we don't have to continuously measure ourselves to try and figure out if we're good enough, but that you say you are good enough through your son, through his life and his sacrifice for us. So God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love us that much. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to to guide us, to give us freedom in how we fulfill your law, Lord. God, I just pray that we would leave here today, that we would be changed, that we would be more uh, in tune to, to your desires for our lives, that we would want to experience your best in our lives and so that we would take the Sabbath seriously and that we would make time to rest, and that we would make time to be with you. Lord, be with us as we do that. In your name, amen.